Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Ordinary Church Podcast. This is a podcast about the church and for the church, and we are really excited to be with you for an episode about spiritual warfare. So maybe a topic that feels a bit out of left field to you, but we're excited about it, and I think it's actually going to be hopefully helpful to you as you think about just everyday life as a believer. So Tanner is in the room with us each week when we record, and we're actually going to pass it to him a few times this morning to ask three questions. So Tanner, I'm going to kick it to you right now, and you can get us going with the first question of three here. Sure, sure. So our first question for today to ponder would be, how do we differentiate between the world, the flesh, and the devil when it comes to spiritual warfare? That's a great topic. Great question. Oh, Mike, you're in here. Hello. I'm here. And uh, how do you differentiate between the world, the flesh, and the devil? So there was an old comedian way back when, I think it was Flip Wilson. He used to say, the devil made me do it. He would always do that, and he would say it in a certain way. So sometimes people blame everything on the devil. They find the devil behind you know every everything that goes on in life. Um, but then you got the world going on. You got the flesh, your own, your own flesh. I think I, I want to start us in 2 Corinthians chapter 10. I know most people would, when they think of spiritual warfare, would go to Ephesians 6 right away, right? Let's uh, hold off on that. We'll get there. Okay, we'll get to Ephesians 6 at some point today. So in 2 Corinthians 10, Paul, I love what he said. He said, I, Paul, myself entreat you by the meekness and gentleness of Christ. He says that. And he he says, look, um, we walk, this is a... This is 2 Corinthians 10, 3. We walk not in the flesh. Excuse me. We walk in the flesh. We are not waging war according to the flesh. So though we walk in the flesh, we're, we're living here on earth. We are not waging war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, but have divine power to destroy strongholds. We, are, we destroy arguments and every lofty opinion raised against the knowledge of God and take every thought captive to obey Christ, being ready to punish every obedience when your obedience is complete. And let's just unpack that a little bit, unravel that a little bit. The thing is, is that we are waging war against sin, against even the devil in this world, and the weapons are not of the flesh. They're divinely powerful to destroy strongholds. But then it says we destroy arguments. And every lofty opinion raised up against the knowledge of God. So let's say, how do you know if it's the world? Well, the world presents arguments that are raised up against the knowledge of God. The world uh, puts lofty opinions up and says, oh, we know better, right? You completely divorce God out of life. Um, I was reading just a little story the other day of when the Titanic sank and how, you know, we've watched the movie. You can read all these accounts. There was a pastor that was that was literally going from person to person preaching the gospel to them. It's a funny thing. I didn't see it in the movie. You know, uh, that wasn't in the movie. Uh, but the thing is, there's plenty of things that happen in life that are just, you know, airbrushed out of yeah. out of existence to, to some degree. So I'd say if the world is going to raise up arguments and lofty opinions against the knowledge of God. But then it says, when you talk about the flesh, taking every thought captive to obey Christ. So, you know, there's a, a verse in, in 1 Peter, in chapter 2, and it just says, Beloved, I urge you as sojourners and exiles to abstain from the passions of the flesh, which wage war against your soul. And it talks about having honorable conduct. 
so that when you speak uh, and you are then falsely accused, they would not have anything that would stick. And I think differentiating between the world and the flesh and the devil, easy to, to knee-jerk and say, the devil's doing this, right? When I was in seminary, I had a professor that said, you know, the devil doesn't have the attributes of God. The devil isn't everywhere at the same time. I mean, he can only be at one place in one time, at one time. And sure, he's got his minions and his, his demons, but for someone to claim, wow, the devil's really, you know, doing this to me, it's like, well, so you're so important <laughs> that everyone <laughs> in the face of the earth, the devil's looking you. at you, yeah. right? Yeah. So anyway, what do you think, Connor, about this for differentiating yeah. between world, flesh, and the devil? You know, I would, so I'm especially curious, Mike, maybe we can get to this in a second. I want to hear your answer about the devil. <laughs> like when, <laughs> when can a believer have any kind of maybe confidence that there's, you know, a, you know, mm-hmm. a demonic, you know, spirit behind this? I, I would actually think that the answer is actually much more commonly than we would ever imagine. So I want to hear your answer to that in a second. But one of the first things that comes to mind for me, just for some wider perspective would be, uh, to really try to drive home that in all cases, with the devil, with the world, and with the flesh, the main issue on the table is truth and lies. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that, you know, if you just ask the, the common person on the street, hey, what do you think spiritual warfare is? I feel like the picture that would come to their mind would just be something out of a horror movie, you know, mm-hmm. almost almost assuredly, like a priest swinging one of those smoking, uh, you know what I'm <laughs> talking about, walking into a house or holding up the crucifix and banishing some, you know spiritual dark force or something so the bible just doesn't know anything about that kind of you know that kind of thing that's hollywood um but when you do get to the you know language of spiritual warfare in the bible it has to do with truth so i was just thinking of a few verses in ephesians i know we'll get to ephesians 6 in a moment but even just thinking about the the world you know starting with the world ephesians 5 6 is where i'm at Mm-hmm. And he's talking about living a holy life as opposed to what the you know world, world would have you do. And in Ephesians 5, 6, he says, Let no one deceive you with empty words, for because of these things the wrath of God comes upon the sons of disobedience. Therefore, don't become partners with them, for at one time you were in darkness, but now you are in the light of the Lord. Walk as children of light. So the world has all of these deceitful messages, which is exactly what you're saying. Mm-hmm. These deceitful messages raised up against the knowledge of God. Don't you know, listen to those lies and walk as children of the light. You don't belong in the darkness anymore. And then Mm -hmm. same thing with the flesh. Uh, Just a few verses before in 422, um, he's talking about putting on, you know, Christ and and all of the fruits of the spirit and putting off the old, the old self. And he says, um, we've urged you to put off your old self, which belongs to the former manner of life and is corrupt through deceitful desires. Mm -hmm. So the flesh, when it comes at you, it's coming at you with just that deceitful desires, you know, mm-hmm. these lie, these false, twisted, you know, feelings of, oh, if I do this sin, it's going to make me feel good. And the believer says, uh-uh, I'm calling, you know, yeah. I cry foul. That's false. Yeah. That's, not, that's not a real desire that's going to lead to real satisfaction. That's right. So, and, and, and that idea of, you know, the devil is much more pre- prevalent. I would picture it like this, like making a snowball. When you're out in the, in the snow and you're making a snowball, you just gather up whatever you get right there. You don't pick it all and say, oh, there's a little piece of dirt in here, right? You just kind of get it into a big snowball and then you throw it. Well, the world, the flesh, and the devil are often just intermixed. And it's just like all together right there. And it is about truth and lies. Jesus said in John 8, you know, 32, you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. From what? Lies. <laughs> from the devil, from Satan. And from, you know, Second Corinthians says that, those that, that, that reject Christ, their, their minds have been blinded 
by Satan. So they won't know, they won't see the gospel. And then Jesus says, if the Son shall set you free, you will be free indeed. Jesus, the truth set you free, sets you free. And then 1 John 3, it says this in verse 8, whoever makes a practice of sinning is of the devil. Like, whoa. Mm -hmm. So that means that their whole life is only about sin. Yeah. They belong, like Jesus said, you, you're of your father, the devil. Right. For the devil has been sinning from the beginning. And then it says this, the reason the son of God appeared was to destroy the works of the devil. So the holy one came to destroy the evil one. Yeah. And so we're always in a spiritual warfare. Right. It, the battle rages, but again, it, you don't go off the grid then and say it's all about like these things that are lurking. No, this is, it's in, it's like when you believe a lie. Yeah. That's spiritual warfare. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. And we'll get to, I think we have a question coming about how to help each other in this and how to help, you know, even live our, live ourselves as believers. Mm -hmm. But in some sense, I appreciate what you're saying, because it's like, yeah, it's not like there's a different toolkit required for each of those three, you know, <laughs> sets of temptation. Oh, if, the, if it's the world, I do this. If it's the flesh, I do this. If it's the devil, I do this. No, right. the, it's actually the same, same you know, answer the for same everything. Answer. You need Christ, you need the church, you need his word. Um, so maybe just one more thought about the devil, and then we can move on to the next question. But um, I was just thinking, you know, especially in America or in the West, we just, you know, we don't see any any kind of visible manifestations of the spiritual world, or maybe visible might not be the right word, but we don't see that as, as maybe often as might be the case in different cultures, or definitely not as often as was the case, let's say, in Jesus' time, where there's demon-possessed people coming up all the time. And I think that we just need to be careful that that doesn't lull us, you know, into mm -hmm. this idea that it's not there. Uh, because of course the devil's always at work and you know, that movie, um, usual suspects, if you don't know what I'm talking about, that's fine, but old movie. And there's a line, uh, where the guy says the greatest trick, the world, uh, the greatest trick the devil ever played was convincing the world he doesn't exist. And I think there's some of that going on in America, uh -huh. you know, like, Hey, yeah. everyone just living the materialistic life. You know, there's mm -hmm. nothing beyond what we can see, feel, touch, but that's the devil. That's not just the devil being absent. So, mm -hmm. yeah. Yeah. I have right. a, a bonus question. Actually, I just thought of for a second, real quick. How would you, how would we respond to the idea of we know it's in scripture, Satan being called the god of this world? If you gave a quick, quick answer for that, Mike, how how how, how should Christians interpret that or deal with that in, in light of spiritual warfare? Right. It says that in Second Corinthians, and basically, the god of this world has blinded the minds of the unbelieving. Right. So it's in. Uh, the lowercase in the Bible, so G-O-D in a lowercase, uh, it says in, in 2 Corinthians 4.3, if our gospel is veiled, it is veiled only to those who are perishing. It's hidden. In their case, the God of this world has blinded the minds of unbelievers to keep them from seeing the light of the gospel, the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. And of course, Jesus came to destroy the works of the devil. And And you know, in Job, where when he came in and kind of brought himself before the Lord, where had, he was asked, where have you gone? Well, I'm, I'm roaming around the earth, right? And so his realm is, is the earth. And, and so he's called the God of this world in the sense that anyone who is not in Christ and, and, you know, chosen before the foundation of the world, belonging in Christ is of the devil. And, and the, the devil's works are, are going to be, they've already been destroyed in Christ at the cross, but they will be fully banished and fully destroyed and, you know, thrown in the lake of fire and all of that stuff. But the idea that this is the realm of his, of his God-ordained, God-providentially-permitted um, activity. And for mm. 
all and God makes the wrath of man and the roaring of Satan to praise him. Amen. That's helpful. Uh, our next question would be then how how can how can we encourage fellow believers when they're going through seasons of spiritual warfare? Yeah, so I think this takes us to what we were just talking about, which is that you know no matter no matter what the issue, a, a sin issue coming from something tempting in the world in the inside of us in the flesh or something specifically you know the influence of a demonic spirit or the devil, all of those are tied together. I like your snowball idea, Mike. It's all coming together, and when someone just gets absolutely hit in the face by a snowball. Um, I think that the believer's response to that is to think about, you know, Galatians six two, bear one another's burdens, and to just say, how can I, how can I, you know, by God's grace in the Lord's power, help this other brother, you know, uh, or sister in Christ, and try to to draw them away from that sin and support them as they're struggling in it, and give them encouragement, accountability, help them have the right influences around them in life that's filling their minds with truth, and and then maybe on a really practical level to pray for them, to pray that the Lord would help them in that um, because it's only the Spirit's power who can deliver us from sin. And for the for for a believer, we already have the Spirit and His power is already at work in us. Mm-hmm. So as we're praying, I think we can pray with a lot of confidence of, hey, if this person trusts Christ, Christ is not going to lose them. He goes after the one sheep. He's going to hold on to them. And then we just kind of throw ourselves into the yoke with them and try to do you know, try to do what the end of Jude talks about, of saving people, snatching them out of the fire, you know, showing mercy without... Uh, Mike has some good sermons that you could even reference uh, from the end of Jude about that. But Mike, what would you say? Much of what you said is just right on, and it's like, yeah, let's go. All of what you said was just right on. I would say, yeah, that, all, all that you said. Um, maybe to add just a little bit, it, in encouraging others, obviously praying... And then speaking the truth to them, and and we'll get in on. A, we have I know we have one more question to go, and it might hit this, but the idea that you can live in Christ victorious, and, and you know I think at the end we'll go we'll come to Ephesians six and look at that. But there's something I do want to mention, and I think it's important where Paul said to the Corinthians, and here the Corinthian church had some issues; they didn't get commended as as heavily as the Thessalonians. Let's put it that way. But he says in 1 Corinthians 11, 1, be imitators of me as I am of Christ. And you know when we started the podcast, what was I doing while you were doing the intro? Do you remember what I was doing? This Today? Today. today. <laughs> you were imitating me and I making was, it hard for me to keep my train of thought. I was mimicking. <laughs> Sometimes, I, you know, I, I, I mix it up a little bit here. And I was mimicking Connor, everything he said and his hand motions and stuff while I was sitting at my microphone and uh, you did a really good job. I didn't, you, you stayed on, on point. Thank you. Yes. Yeah. And, but Paul says this, imitate me as I imitate Christ. And the idea of mimicking Jesus, like to encourage fellow believers and encourage our own hearts with, you know, we're to be following godly examples such as Paul and other godly examples in our own lives and then, and follow Christ and, and mimic Christ. Like seriously, like, Pretend to be like Christ. <laughs> like, you know, I was, I was mentioning to someone yesterday. We were talking for a long time. I was talking a long time with a brother and sister in Christ yesterday, helping him through a situation. And I said, you know, it's really interesting that all of us are on our best behavior when we come to church most of the time. We get together and gather together with believers at, you know, Sunday morning worship times or home group and what have you. But all of us don't live exactly like that all the other times. And that's real life. 
but that when we come together, sometimes we feel like we're being fake or people say you're being fake because you're not like this all the time. But this is somewhat of a dress rehearsal for heaven. And it's kind of like a way where we're trying to conform ourselves to how we know we really should be. And that it's not so bad to feel like you're a fake at times because then you're like, I really do want to be more real like this when I'm at home and when I'm in the workplace and when I'm at school and in the neighborhood. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So to mimic Christ, to encourage someone, and I think this could be really helpful, is to encourage our brothers and sisters, follow Christ, follow the most godly examples you can. Yeah. Yeah. That is really helpful. Yeah. Maybe just final thought for me on that one, and then I want to get to this last question, Tanner. But I'm just thinking, again, just to emphasize, I think it's about truth. You know, when someone is falling for sin, they're falling for deceitful desires. And when they're stumbling into that in a repeated way, they're just repeatedly buying a lie. And so... I think we just need to, as much as we can, you know, be big signposts or arrows that point people back towards, you know, let me try to remind you of not just the truth of what God's Word says, but the beauty of it and how it's so much better than what, you know, what you're choosing to, to go after right now. It really is. You're, you'll be happier, have more joy in the Lord if you don't, you know, if you don't rebel against Him than, than when you do. Um, and then just with great patience, Romans 15, one, you know, yeah. we are strong. If you feel like you're more strong in a certain situation, so you, we who are strong have an obligation to bear with the failings of the weak. And so I think just with great patience as well. Amen. I've been the recipient of that patience many times. So Amen. third question, Tanner. Third question is how should believers live knowing Christ has the victory? Well, that's the biggest question here. And I think this is, what we want to focus on in, in the remaining minutes here. Let's get to Ephesians 6. Let's start at verse 10. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God that you may take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this world's darkness, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. This is ongoing. This is daily. Mm-hmm. Therefore, take up the full armor of God so that when the day of evil comes, you will be able to stand your ground and having done everything to stand. Stand firm. He says, stand, stand, stand. Stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist, with the breastplate of righteousness arrayed and with your feet fitted with the readiness of the gospel of peace. In addition to all of this, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. They're coming at you. And take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. You need the truth. The truth will set you free, will wash your soul, will renew your mind. And then it says this in verse 18, pray in, in the spirit at all times. You're indwelt by the Holy Spirit. Pray with every kind of prayer and petition. To this end, stay alert with all perseverance in your prayers for all the saints. And then he says this in verse 19, pray also for me that whenever I open my mouth, words may be given so that I may speak boldly the no, to be, make known the mystery of the gospel for which I am an ambassador in chains. He's in the middle of spiritual warfare. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, it's interesting that Jude 9 says that Michael the archangel did not pronounce a railing judgment against Satan, but he said, the Lord rebuke you. So we go to the Lord. It's, it's, this, is, this is being strong in the Lord. This is, this is finding mm-hmm. hope and, and strength in Christ. Christ is our sufficiency. Christ is our adequacy. So go to Christ again and again and again. And as James 5 says, confess your sins one to another. It's so easy to say, oh, I'm under so much spiritual warfare and act like you're a victim. Well, a lot of times we brought it on ourselves. Mm. Ephesians 4 says, don't give the devil a foothold. That's super helpful. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And confession brings that in the light and gets other you know brothers and sisters around you to help you in that. 
Yeah, uh, I was thinking of, you know, in response to your question, Tanner, First John 4, 4, that he who's in, you know, is greater than he's in the world. And that's mm-hmm. not just a quip. That's a reality. Jesus is, you know, he's triumphed over Satan uh, on the, in the, uh, his work on the cross. Colossians 2, he's, you know, made a public spectacle of all of the demonic forces, and he's triumphed over them on the cross. So if Jesus really has triumphed over the devil, and his spirit really is in believers, then we've already won. Um, praise God. And yeah, just what you were saying, Mike, it's being strong in the Lord and the strength of his might. So it's not, you know, we wrestle against the, you know, spiritual forces in the heavenly realms, but it's not us versus them. <laughs> it's Jesus versus, you know, mm-hmm. them. And yeah. the children of, of the woman, you know, through Christ will ultimately triumph over the children of the serpent as well. So, Amen. Yeah. Anything one last else, Mike, thought. that you add? Yeah. Yeah. One last thought in First Peter 5. You know, just this idea that Jesus triumphed over Satan, there's nothing left to fear. We, we love the Lord and he, we're secure in him. In 1 Peter 5, verse 8, be sober-minded. Right after it says, cast all your cares on him for he cares for you. Be sober-minded, be watchful. Your adversary, the devil, prowls about like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour. Here's the answer. Resist him firm in your faith. The idea of standing firm in Christ. Knowing that the same kinds of suffering are being experienced by your brotherhood throughout the world. And after you have suffered for a little while, which I always say that means just live this life, the God of all grace who has called you to his eternal glory in Christ will himself restore, confirm, strengthen, and establish you. To him be dominion forever and ever. See, the strength, the might, the dominion is in Christ. Amen. That's awesome. Great way to wrap up, I think, for today. Uh, Tanner, thanks so much for the questions. Listeners, thanks so much for uh, staying with us. I hope that's helpful to you as you think about trying to honor the Lord in your own life and resist the devil and live a holy life to the glory of God. It's all by Jesus' power. So we are uh, praying for you and we're thankful for you. Um, if you ever have questions that you'd like us to tackle on the podcast, you can always send them to grace at graceorange.org. We would enjoy seeing that from you. Uh, but until next time, have an amazing day serving the Lord. We love you, and we'll talk to you next time on the podcast. God bless you. <laughs>